0: All right, well, I'm Joe Walensky, back with another episode where I have the uh, great time and honor of meeting with an accessibility practitioner, and today I am visiting with Sarah Horton. Hello, Sarah, how are you today?
1: Hi, Joe, thanks. Um, I'm doing great. Happy to be here.
0: Well, I'm uh, in my home office on Vashon Island which is near Blink's Seattle headquarters. Uh, Where are you talking to me from?
1: (laughs) Well I am in a small village in Scotland. Um, It's called Fruhi and um, it's later in the day here than it is for you and a little bit clear in the sky, a few clouds.
0: Well that, that sounds like a, a, a lovely adventure. Um I uh what uh, brought you to that part of the world?
1: <laughs> well, um my husband's from here and uh so we we prior to covid lived in the US and here and we happened to be here in March of 2020 mm-hmm. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, yeah, I'm familiar with your background, uh, but for people that uh, may may not be, uh, maybe talk a little bit about the types of things that you're uh, working on now, and uh, and then after that, we can kind of go back and look at some of the other things that you've been involved in.
1: That sounds like a good plan. Um, so I'm I'm involved in a lot of things. <laughs> But the main thing that I'm involved in now, I'm a research fellow at the University of Southampton in um, England, in the south of England. I actually haven't been there yet um, because of COVID. But uh, so I'm sort of the the northern office, the Scottish office. I'm working on a study called Teaching Accessibility in the Digital Skill Set. And so I work with Sarah Luthwaite and Andy Coverdale. we're just a small team in the education school there. And um, so this study is about learning how accessibility is taught and learned. And so we've been talking to people who are teaching accessibility really from all over the world and different sectors like um, academia and businesses. And, um, and the workplace. And, you know, we're learning that if teaching accessibility is really complicated. Um, so at this point, we're just starting to write up the findings. And I, I think it's going to be really helpful um, what we're, we're learning from people. And uh, I guess a big takeaway from that is that everybody needs digital accessibility skills and everyone who. Who does accessibility ends up at some point teaching it. And so learning more about how to teach it effectively has been really important and interesting.
0: well i i, I did uh, teach accessibility at the University of Washington. Uh, they, they had a course at on the uh, campus in Tacoma. But one of the themes of this podcast is that, uh, Accessibility hasn't traditionally uh, until now been a, you know, part of foundational skills that people would find at the university level. And that's starting to change, uh, which is great. But uh, in in so, you know, this, you know, feeds right into that theme. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see more and more programs uh, developed for accessibility uh, in the uh, education system.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's really key to um, moving forward and making progress.
0: Well, uh, it, you know, going right into that theme, uh, you know, a lot of people have come into accessibility from a lot of different directions. And uh, <laughs> so uh, maybe take us back into your work life, live life, and uh, tell me how you first were exposed to accessibility and, and started to think about that as a place that you could have as a profession.
1: That, that's great. Yeah, it was fun um, preparing for talking to you today. I did sort of walk back through memory lane and I appreciate the opportunity to share that with you. I think I'll have to start like back when I started working in tech, um, which was back before there was a web and I was at the Yale Center for Advanced Instructional Media working on CD-ROMs and that controlled laser discs. And I was very, very cutting edge at the time. Um, But I had gone to school to be a classical musician. (laughs) And um, that doesn't put food on your table, so uh, at least not for most of us who try. So from that point on, I I worked at universities. and I worked in instructional technology, and then you know the web came along, and um, and I I took the skills that I had learned from the CD-ROM, SuperCard, HyperCard world, and and was able to sort of translate into that into working on the web. And I spent um, quite a few years working in academic computing at Dartmouth. And then I moved in uh, into being the web director there, and you know, sort of along the way, I had some really great opportunities, and one of them was to start um, working with my one of my my pre- previous colleague and and co-author Pat Lynch um, on Web Style Guide, which is a book that's been around since. The Web was born, essentially. Pat wrote the first version of that shortly after The Web um, became. And I worked with him from the second edition on, um, on that book. And we've, we've done four editions of that, which is very cool. The last one was in 2016. But um, you know, how that relates to accessibility at, at a certain point, so I was doing a lot of design, and I was and I was sort of a thought leader, you know, um, an accidental thought leader. Uh, and um, and at a certain point, sort of, I think it was the early two thousands, I started working in accessibility. And for that story, I get to mention of. Uh, a wonderful person from the accessibility community, um, Joe uh, O'Connor, and I might cry because um, we miss and love him very much. So Accessible Joe uh, invited me to present at a conference in Monterey, uh, the New Media Center's conference, and he asked me to talk about accessibility. And I said, yes, but I knew absolutely nothing about it. Um, I think that was probably the first that I really learned about it. Um, So I had to learn really fast. (laughs) And I really liked what I learned. Um, And then uh, later that year, I went to another workshop uh, that, that time. It was at Amherst College in Massachusetts. And there was a presenter. His name is Gerald Newfeld, and he was there sharing his experiences as a blind person using technology and going to school and going to law Harvard Law School and all, and sort of contrasting his pre digital experiences with his current digital experiences. And you know, he he was just such a great presenter and put accessibility into a con- a context that was very meaningful. And help me see that in a, how enabling technology can be when it's designed right. So be, it was kind of between Joe and Gerald that I got really hooked on accessibility.
0: Well, I I mean one of the things that you know that I that I know about your background is you you've been a prolific author uh, and written a lot in the accessibility area. So. Uh, you know, just like, what was that all like? Because you've, you've written quite a lot just, you know, in, in order to be able to write something that's useful to others, you have to have uh, <laughs> internalized that and practice it and worked with it. Um, you know, one of your books uh, was uh, with Whitney Quisenberry, who is uh, the first person I interviewed for this uh, series. Uh, about 40 episodes ago. So, uh, I mean, how did that all come about? And what was that like to be able to not only learn about accessibility, but then to feel comfortable uh, helping others to learn about it and to write about it?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, I had been writing about web design, you know, through Web Style Guide, and a lot of what I was writing. Was absolutely orthogonal to accessibility, and you know, here's my true confessions. You know, I wrote about spacer gifs and layout tables, and taught people how to do terrible things <laughs> uh, with HTML and CSS. And those earlier editions of Web Style Guide were all about how to hack the web into something that was more like uh, an interactive experience that you might get through a a CD-ROM type thing, the the possibilities of the early web were very limited from a design perspective. And, And then I started learning about accessibility and it helped me really understand, okay, this is what this technology is all about. This is, you know, about, Adaptability, not trying to nail everything into place, but trying to build something that will adapt gracefully. And so, as a designer who was, I did design, code, you know, I did sort of soup to nuts. Everyone back then did soup to nuts, you know. Um, I changed how I designed and built websites. And I was working at Dartmouth at this time. I wasn't you know, explicitly asked to create accessible home sites and, you know, admission sites, but that's what I started doing. Um, And I learned a great deal from so many people in the community and um, really changed my view of design from, you know, I was never that comfortable about making pretty things, um, it felt kind of superficial to me. Um, But then to realize, well, if I use my design skills and my coding skills to make something that's useful and usable, that is really interesting. And that's kind of where I got very hooked and in doing so was able to, I had opportunities to give more, more presentations and write more and write books and things like that. So, I mean, I I just had a lot of opportunities and that early exposure, I think shifted my thinking so much in a direction that was so much more meaningful to me and helped me really focus as a designer on the things that matter.
0: Well, I think uh, then you mentioned that that brought you uh, into the kind of uh, early, mid-2000s for your work, uh, doing that, uh, uh, the web development work. So uh, what was the, what came after that? What was the the next stage that you entered into?
1: Well, yeah, that, so there was another like humongous turning point, which was when in 2013, Mike, Passyello, who's another wonderful um, member of our community, offered me a position with what what was then the yellow Group. And at that point, I left higher ed. I was at Harvard at the time, um, and I started working in as a digital accessibility consultant at that um, in in 2013. And um, you know, TPG, I had the most amazing mentors there. And I wish I could just name every single one of them. But, you know, working with people like Mike and Steve Faulkner and and Jez Lemon and Patrick Lauk and um, Leonie Watson, you know, so there was just so many people and I couldn't, I, I'd love to name all of them, but I can't, I've left out so many people, but this notion, there was a TPG family, you know, and I'm doing raised, uh, you know, air quotes, um, but it really felt like a family at the time. And, the, and then there was this larger accessibility community that we would encounter at conferences or mailing lists and podcasts like yours and things like that. During the time working with TPG and then later with TPGI, that's really how I learned how to do accessibility. Um, You know, I did audits of websites, apps. I did an audit of a a time clock once, So it was fascinating. Um, Design reviews, uh, usability studies. That was like my absolute favorite. And I learned so much from those. Um, And I did more and more strategic consulting uh, as time went on with TPGI. So with TPG. You were at least in the beginning. You were really thrown in the deep end, <laughs> and you had to do everything. You had to know how to do everything, and um, you know technical details. Um, but then, like strategic thinking about organizational readiness and things like that. And so, I really like I really built up my chops while I was working at TPG, and I'm I'm so grateful for my colleagues and clients who, who helped me learn and grow from there.
0: Well, it's, uh, very, uh, interesting to hear you talking about your, your work at TPG. I, I think I have, uh, I'm going to have uh, Mike Paciello on, on this oh, podcast in a coming episode. So we'll, uh, it'd be, uh, uh fun to, uh, get, his uh, experiences, but if you know for you as being part of that, um, you know, first of all, that uh, TPG was maybe maybe one of the first organizations that really embraced the idea of accessibility as its own consulting activity and specializing uh, in that. Um, that certainly seems like it would have been uh, you know a lot different environment from you from your your work at the universities and things like that. So. And what would, you know, what was it like to, uh, as you mentioned, being thrown into the deep end there and then, you know, developing in that kind of environment?
1: It was a radical shift for me. Absolutely. Um, And it was chaotic and exciting. um, And you know, I, I really just didn't look back. I think it was a very good move for me to do that and to be exposed to so many different dimensions. You know, I worked with very large technology companies. I worked for small local, you know, governments. Um, I I just had this breadth of of um, experience that I wasn't experiencing within the the very protected um, higher education community and the particular schools that I worked at um, were all elite, you know, universities. So it was it was a pretty radical change. And and as I said, I was it took me some while. Um, I uh, took me a while to to take the leap um, because it is kind of a a safe environment um, working in academia. Um, but I'm really glad that I did it, and I, I, my life has changed so much as a result of it. Everything changed.
0: And then, uh, was, was there a, a another transition that brought you to uh, what you're doing today with uh, your again to your university work?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know, I I keep sort of reinventing myself because now I'm back in academia, but as a researcher. And prior to this, I was sort of supporting the academic and research mission of these institutions. And now I'm doing the research, Um, but it's accessibility research. And so that experience that I had working so many years with so many different organizations and seeing teaching, Accessibility in so many different contexts, and doing it myself and being taught and mentored and by my peers and and colleagues, um, I am bringing all of that experience to this project. And so while I sort of i I kind of i I uh, get away with, being a, a researcher again air quotes because I don't have a research background, I don't have a PhD or the qualifications that you might uh, expect from an academic researcher. I bring a perspective to my colleagues who, who are um, and bring a pr- perspective to the job that I think has been, that we all have felt has been very beneficial to the work we're doing.
0: Well, it would be good to uh, hear a little bit. Maybe if you have some uh, insights about uh, things uh, for the future. Um, I know I, I started with accessibility in uh, nineteen ninety eight, so like twenty four okay. years ago. Um, but it it wasn't you know my full time work for you know for for a long time. Um, but when I think back to uh, you know when I was just starting with it, it really excited me. And looking ahead, I was thinking. I, I kind of thought maybe we would have been farther along with accessibility uh, within the world than we are. Um, and then now looking back, um, I'm also amazed by a lot of the technological uh, developments that have improved the lives of, of, you know, so many people. So there's always that, you know, we Did we go far enough? What's still to to come? Um, Do you have any thoughts about that? Any things where you're hopeful, uh, you know, for the future or areas that you particularly are are looking forward to working on?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I I am pretty hopeful and at the same time discouraged as well. I think that working in the education area has been, has given me hope because I am absolutely positive that accessibility needs to be a core competency for anyone who touches anything digital. And that's everyone, (laughs) Um, at least those who are, are, Fortunate enough to be on the near side of the the digital divide, and um, so so folk, having this focus on ex, um, accessibility education or digital accessibility education, and seeing progress in areas like program accreditation and and you know standard programs for computer science, and, and then all of the the things like the, these peer learning um, opportunities like you you and I are engaged in right now, this this is where to invest, I think, right now and that there's an appetite for it. There's the teach access work that's going on in the US that I don't I don't know if you've talked to anyone from there, but I'd highly highly recommend um, following up with teachaccess.org. There's a lot of attention um, being paid now to education and raising awareness and building competency. And the other area that I feel hopeful about is the other area that I've been doing a lot of work in um, with standards, and, and they're intricately tied because we need to be able to teach the standards or requirements one might, I like to think of them as requirements, Design requirements, technical requirements, as a way of specifying how to build um, accessible technology, making those uh, teachable so that people can learn them and and adopt those those requirements and and practices. And so we're, I'm I'm working on the WCAG three, the the new next generation accessibility guidelines work. But I think the guidelines that we have are pretty darn good. Um, they're just hard to teach and hard to learn. And um, so I like that I'm bringing the education and the standards together. And and that makes me hopeful as sort of a foundational aspect of of moving forward.
0: Well, thanks for uh, uh, mentioning the, the Teach Access. I'll, I wanna look into that. I do follow the work uh, that the uh, working group's doing for web, 3.0, and it, it, it's always a lot of hard work from uh, a lot of hardworking volunteers to make that happen. Um, but, uh, uh, Sarah, it's been a pleasure to have this uh, conversation with you. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to, to do it, and you know, hopefully we can uh, meet in person at a conference sometime.
1: I would love that. Thank you so much. And and I wanted to just thank you for hosting these these video casts and and having done so many of them. And I'm really excited to uh, hear Mike's. um, He's going to upstage me. Totally. I know that. But it's been really great fun talking to you.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human. Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best in class design, we can move existing designs to development in a sprint, and maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X.com. Thank you. And please take a moment to rate our programming, whatever app you use.